Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. So I'm very excited to introduce you to Nicole Gillow. She is a vocal coach, a voice researcher and a professional singer from, the, from Hampstead in the UK. I came across Nicole a few years ago at one of the Vocology in Practice seminars um, where she was presenting some of her research on vocal distortion. This is an area that hasn't been studied very much, so it's, it's really interesting to hear um, a more in-depth explanation of some of the effects. So the episode today will take us through some of those um, vocal effects with demonstrations. So Nicole was very organised and sent me on the demonstrations pre-recorded before we had our chat. So I've had to insert them into the conversation as we went along. So to, to make this make sense as you're listening to it, I've added a whoosh sound like this at the start and at the end of each demonstration so you know when we're kind of leaving the conversation and then jumping back into it. So I hope that makes it a bit clearer. Then in the second half of the episode, she actually answers your questions. So a few weeks ago, I reached out and said, if anyone has any questions about vocal distortion, send them in. And some of you did. So it's going to be a really good episode. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please let us know in the comment section. Yeah, I literally started a band um, with my friends and we did one gig and then we went into quarantine. <laughs> no way. And what was the band? What was it? What genre was it? Or... So we're called Snake Eyes. We're a punk band. Um, well, we kind of rock, punk rock. Yeah. I think we started at rock, but then we got put on loads of punk playlists. So okay. we sort of merged into punk, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good fun. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we did our first gig and then it went <laughs> topsy-turvy from there, really. Oh no, so, it sucks. Yeah, but we've, we've done quite a few like, um, streams and stuff, so it's been fine. And, um, we signed with a record label, um, at the beginning of this year. So. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We're recording like a mixtape now. So hopefully, yeah, gigs will start soon and then we can get into that side of things. But it feels really strange, like starting a band and everything kicking off, but not actually having done any live shows other than the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I know. I actually saw a band, um, put up a similar post the other day. They're like a metal band. Um, I've forgotten the name of them now. They're like an Irish metal band kind of. Um, and they like, they just had like got like half a new band basically. And then they, like the band are like learning, the band new bem- band members have not got to actually rehearse with them in person yet. Like it's just right. the way it worked out, but sure. Bizarre, That's just the way it goes. It's just the and way come here, So like you're obviously, um, you know, you've probably been singing and playing in bands for years. Like how did you kind of get into the whole, the rock side of things? So the rock stuff started when I went to college um, and I weirdly I wasn't actually intending to study music like I always loved to sing but my intention was actually to become a nurse and then I didn't get the right GCSEs um, so in the end I had to do like an entry course and music popped up as an idea and I was like yeah I'd love to do that and then it literally just I got into it and I loved it and I just wanted to do it forever so um when I was at college, uh, obviously I was introduced to lots of different styles of music and one of those was kind of like hardcore metal and I absolutely loved it. And so throughout the whole of college, I was trying to scream, failing at it, but still really wanted to do it. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, like, it was one of those things where I, I so badly wanted to sing it, but I just didn't know how, and I couldn't do it. And the only thing I could do was, like, an inhale fry scream, that kind of, like, t- pterodactyl, like, yeah, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. That was the only thing I could do. I couldn't do any of, the, like, the false fold stuff or anything. Mm-hmm. It really bugged me, and that went on for years, and I went through uni, and it was just always a genre that I loved to listen to, but I could never sing. And then, I don't know what, it was kind of, like, after after uni that I was just like why don't I study it and I you know Mm. I had a big background by that point in my like vocal coaching and learning technique and stuff I was just like why don't I learn to do it um research it and then research you know adequate technique for people that are already doing it um and so it all kind of went off from there really um so that was the that was the first time I'd really started to properly try and do it myself um I had quite a lot of friends in kind of metal bands and so they were off doing tours and stuff and so I'd hear all the stories about people blowing their voices and Mm. following potentially techniques that were meant for singers and not screamers Um, and so yeah I just kind of was like okay something needs to be done here (laughs) and it was from there really. Yeah because I remember at the was the event in Cork that you did the workshop on screaming? Yeah. 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 And I think I volunteered to get up and do it because like it was something I was like, I didn't actually get into kind of heavier music until kind of my early 20s, if I'm honest. Like I was always into rock music and stuff, but never really got into I never went to metal gigs or anything like that before that. And once I started going to metal gigs, I was kind of hooked because. I just couldn't get over the energy at the gigs, the lie. The, the crowd was like so enthusiastic and there was just so much energy. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And like, and I wouldn't necessarily be into like metal music that is com- completely screaming. It's just, I need something a bit more melodic, which is why I like um, Tatiana, isn't it? From um, Ginger. Mm. Like she kind of has a mixture of the two, which I think is nice because I feel like the screaming can be quite, like aggressive almost which can be very emotionally striking I think too so and then when you said you were looking for guinea pigs I was like I'll try it I was really bad but like it was still fun you know it's good fun it's good fun it's the scariest thing ever to do when you're I think when you once you know how to do it it doesn't seem frightening anymore but when especially when you're a singer because you know that your instrument is your life and if you do it and you do it wrong it feels like you're just going to blow your voice forever um yeah so it is scary to do for the first time, isn't it? I don't know if you felt that. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I never actually, I never tried it myself. I never, ever tried it myself until that workshop. Yeah. Um, and like since then, I've kind of been experimenting with it a little bit. And I don't know if you know Eric and Newt. Yes, I do. No, yeah, from Canada. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I booked in with a few lessons for her because I came across this like workshop she did Um it was a free workshop or it was not too expensive anyway and I was like oh I'll do that workshop and then I was like okay that's really interesting so I booked in for a few lessons where so I've been kind of experimenting with like growl and fry and a few things not not like in metal songs but more kind of in like I suppose classic rock songs and things like that and even soul and things um mm-hmm. but it's really fun because when when you start clicking about how it's supposed to feel you're like oh it, it it's almost like um I don't know like like just it's just singing without it hurting you and you're like oh this is how it's supposed to be like you just have to kind of get it a couple of times and then you can repeat it again yeah totally is there a big difference between the training that you need to do for hardcore singing and 
What would you say normal singing? I don't know how, what, what way would you define them? Uh, I would probably define it clean singing and like distorted singing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can also obviously be categorized as extreme singing as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there are differences because I mean, there are and there aren't because essentially you need the first thing that you absolutely have to have before you start touching on distortion is well, if you're going to be using singing distortion is you, you need to be a relaxed singer. If you're one of those singers that pulls chest a lot and mm -hmm. has like a really strong, tense voice, you are going to blow your voice straight away. You right, know, okay. um, you have to be a light singer or at least be able to sing light, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to already have good technique as a whole, really. Um, if you're literally just going for the hardcore fry scream all the time and you're never going to sing with distortion, that's different. Um, but if you're looking to sing with distortion, absolutely, you absolutely can't be a tense singer because otherwise you're just going to blow. Um, but the actual techniques and the exercises you have to learn are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> completely different. Um, I mean, for the fry scream, uh, sorry, false fold scream, um, you you have to start off with a cough. And like in, in like clean singing, you are told from a very young age, like, coughing's bad for your voice. Don't do mm -hmm. it. You know, so it just shows you like the complete difference. <laughs> yeah. But again, we've been coughing all our lives and like, yeah. you know, unless we're really sick with coughing and, you know, the, obviously the more frequently and abrasively you cough, then the more likely there is to do damage. But like, you know, yeah, we, we've survived doing it for all this time. Exactly. And I think that's the same with belting, isn't it? You know, like you're told that shouting is bad for your voice. Belting essentially pretty much is shouting, isn't Sustained it? Sustained shouting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But our voices are designed to do it. So why not? You know, I think sometimes if you get too caught up in what's healthy and not healthy, it just starts to turn you into, you know, potentially even like a boring singer. You know, when you hear people whose technique is so perfect, it's a bit like, OK, like you, I feel like you, you lose that raw emotion almost. Yeah. You know what I mean, I think sometimes a bit of strain and a bit of this and a bit of that is actually quite like raw. It makes yeah. me interested. You it's know? engaging. Yeah, totally. You feel the, the emotion more, don't you? Totally. And like I sent you on some questions, obviously that, you yeah. know, a few people I just put out a message asking if anyone had any questions. And, you know, some of the questions included things like um, we're, we're kind of talking about the difference between clean singing and extreme singing and kind of how do you cross over between those two and what's involved? Do you, you know, the way like, you know, as a clean singer, predominantly, like we're told to like, even if we don't sing like right up the octave in our whistle tone or whatever, that we should try and like stretch our voice in that direction because it then tends to loosen up the notes below that. And same with the lower notes, we should kind of stretch every end of our, our, um, our range to kind of gain a more flexible instrument overall. So for singers who sing in extreme styles, do they still need to, need to explore those same same areas I think yeah absolutely um for exactly the same reason is you need to be flexible um it depends really because like I mean distortion is such a wide same as like singing is so varied it's the same mm -hmm. with distortion it depends what you're using it for mm -hmm. um because if you're just using it for a bit of flavor you know maybe not so much but if you're using it as like you're like purely distortion 
then absolutely you absolutely have to explore your whole range and you know do your practice um to get it perfect um so it, it really does depend on what what you're using it for um if a student come into you for a lesson mm-hmm. and they said they're a complete beginner and they want to learn to sing in extreme styles now extreme this extreme singing obviously when we think of the word extreme you think metal music straight away but like realistically there's been singers like from the from the blue singers all the way to the r&b singers and beyond who have used like growl fry all that stuff yeah at different times to express different emotions even like beyonce is like a super clean singer but she can access all those and um, more distorted tones mm-hmm. um so I think it is, it, it can kind of transfer over multiple genres. So I'm just thinking about someone who wants to come in and 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 explore that new area of their voice. Where would you start with them? So I would start, depending on what their um, references were. So if it was like Beyonce or Christina Aguilera, that's very much more like sort of the aryepiglottic stuff. Um, so I would literally get start off with doing, I mean, I, I sent you a, probably a clearer example. So the first step to aryepiglottic distortion is to firstly make a sound a bit like Kermit the Frog. So you kind of narrow the back of your mouth so it sounds a bit like this. Then you just close your lips and then you just push the air out. So like this. Kermit the Frog, shut the mouth. You don't need too much air, just enough. And you should hear that there's like a a deep sort of, you can hear there's something sort of rattling around in there. Like someone snoring really annoyingly. That's kind of what you want to start with. So you can hear there's like something in there vibrating and it's not your vocal folds and it's not your tongue, it's somewhere in between. And that's the aeropiglottic folds. Mm. it could be the epiglottis itself. Is that the false, the same as the false folds? No, slightly different. Yeah. Okay. Different techniques. So false folds. So the false folds are literally two folds directly above the vocal folds and they're really thick. And so you'll get like more of a wet extreme sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're so much closer, it creates more chaos. So it's like pure distortion. So that's when you get like your metal singers or mm-hmm. sometimes you'll hear it in like classic metal and stuff like that. So achieve false, false fold distortion. Um the, the easiest thing that I've found is to start with a cough. So you don't want to do like a <clears throat> kind of cough because that's pretty much all vocal fold. You really need to dig into this like low, strong feeling like. <clears throat> and then you want to try and aim for that sort of flappy, wet, strong sound. <clears throat> you can hear there's something in there rattling, something thick. That's the kind of feeling and sound you want to try and achieve. Don't move on until you achieve that without it feeling tickly. Because otherwise, the, the, the danger is that you're using your vocal folds and not your false folds. So you really need to make sure that you're getting that heavy vibration feeling. <clears throat> and you can tell that it's false fold and not aryepiglottic because the sound is a lot kind of richer and stronger. And you can also hear that... Um, it's more chaotic because the false folds are closer to the vocal folds. Therefore, you get more of a chaotic sound. Um, And then really with the false fold, once you've got it on the cough, you just sustain it with a sound. Um, um, um. And then you just kind of play with it from there, to be honest with you. Um, It's difficult to get as much range um, with false fold. Um, So I would say just start off low. 
and then just work yourself higher. So once you get comfortable doing that, don't skip too quickly. You can then start taking it higher and higher in pitch. So like, um, 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 and it sounds really chaotic and crazy. Um. This is higher up, so you can get the effect on top of the singing, but you can still hear a clean singing voice with the distortion on top. In, is, it, does it involve the epiglottis? Yeah, can do, yeah. So that whole region, so when the epiglottis tilts, that's when you get the kind of constriction of the areopiglottic folds. Mm. So it's that tilting of the epiglottis which then creates the looseness in the folds. Um, and that's when, so it is, yeah, it does entail the epiglottis, yeah. Okay, cool. So would you, like, you know, do a vocal assessment with them and see how their clean tone is first and then bring them into some exercises to, to get them into these kind of more distorted sounds? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. as I say, you need to be able to be a, a balanced light singer as well. Like you can't be an overly tense singer. So I would check that first. And mm -hmm. then if, as long as that was all OK, then we would go into th that exercise, um, that um, areopiglottic exercise. So the first thing I would do if someone came in and they were like, I want to sing the growl like Beyonce or I want to sing this growl like Christina Aguilera. I would obviously first of all do the um, assessment on their voice, just make sure that they're not too tense. Um, then I would go into the areopiglottic um, exercise. So that would be the areopiglottic example. Yeah! Yeah! Then after that, I would then <clears throat> add the voice. So that would be mm -hmm. the next audio clip. Start getting some voice through that. You basically do exactly the same thing, but you just um, allow yourself to sing a note in, while you're pushing out the air. So it'd be kind of like this: come at the frog, ah, shut the lips. And you want to get the placement. Might be a bit tickly at first. You kind of get used to that. You want to get the placement to the point where um, you get that real rattle in the areopiglottic region. It will kind of feel like it's in the back of your, almost like the back of your nose. It might feel slightly different for different people. When you've got that, you, what you essentially want to do is really take note of where that, um, that rattle that you feel happening in your throat, really think about where it's coming from so that you can, you can try and moving forward, you can make the effect with different placements, but it's coming from that areopiglottic region. Um, once that's okay, really then it's just style. So if it was something like Beyonce or Christina Aguilera, they, they're a bit more like, ah, ah, like you are beautiful, you know, that kind of like yeah. sound. So um, again, there is an audio clip you can insert there. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that one kind of like a more of a growl? Is that what you would call yeah. that one? Yeah. That's the one I've been kind of working on a little bit. I can yeah. get it on certain words, but not every word and not every pitch. Yeah. Right, that's interesting. So is there a specific word where you struggle with? Do you know the singer Beth Hart? Yeah, yeah. She has a song called Damn Your Eyes. Do you know that one? If I heard it, probably, I... but off the top of my head, no. God, I, I'll attempt to sing it, but it's like, Damn your eyes, oh, yeah. taking my breath away. So the, Damn your eyes, that's kind of as close as I'm getting to it at, at the moment. Yeah, that's Ariapagotic. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I purely, the only reason I don't use terms like growl and rattle is because they, it, people use them for different things. And so sometimes yeah. 
get a bit lost in translation. Um, yeah. One per person's growl might be someone else's rattle, you know, so that's why I kind of just stick to the technical terms. But that absolutely is a growl, um, uh, Ariapoglottic, yeah. Okay, so just for like people listening, that there is terminology involved in this and yeah. people have different labels on different parts of the voice quality which might be the same voice quality but they might label it slightly differently which can cause confusion so you're naming it more by the the instrument so which part of the the the, the vocal tract is is in action yeah literally yeah yeah cool okay and then the other one that i was experimenting was more like a like a i think it's called like a fry scream like a how how that kind of one right so didn't really do it there, but it's meant to be more. So, yeah, I mean, so the fry scream is like, is the fry scream. This is where it gets difficult with the terminology mm. because the fry scream um, hasn't been researched enough, really, to have its own sound. But fry scream in the metal world is like that kind of sound. Okay. So that wouldn't be what I would term as fry scream, but mm -hmm. it could be something that someone else has termed fry scream. Yeah. So fry scream is completely different from the other two um, exercises. So the other two are very loud. You need a lot of air. With the fry scream, you need a very, very minimal amount of air. So you start with your singing just a pitch in head voice, and then you slowly start to decrease the airflow um, until you get the kind of distortion. Um, it's still very under-researched how the fry screen works, but we do know that it's the desynchronization of the vocal folds that creates the distortion. So it's all at the level of the vocal folds, which is why it's especially important not to push too hard too quickly. Um, so you start off just by singing a note, and then just slowly start to decrease the airflow, but singing the same note. So it will become more like a creak. So like this. trait is a quieter distortion there are ways to make it louder however that's not something that i've researched into yet so i'm not comfortable really going any further with that um however there is an amazing teacher who taught me how to do the effect that i've just showed you called aliki so i'll make sure that i put her name um i'll drop her name somewhere with rebecca so that you guys can get in touch if you're interested in learning the fry scream um <clears throat> so potentially what you were going for there was just like a flavour of distortion on top of that note, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So something like that, I mean, it's one of those things where you wouldn't really know unless someone got a camera and put it, you know, in your nose and saw exactly what was constricting. But probably what's that slightly to be is still aryepiglottic, just not as strong as what you did before. Yeah. Yeah. So with aryepiglottic, um, so you can get different sounds with the aryepiglottic. So obviously there's this sort of um, Christina Aguilera, Beth Hart one we were just looking at, but then you can also add twang to it, which creates a whole different sound. So there's another audio clip that I sent you that you could insert here. Then you can kind of just add it on anything really. Um, I like to use it with twang to make a bit more of like a, a strong effect. So in order to do that, you would start off literally just by doing some twang exercises like yeah, 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 yeah. And then using a, a good amount of abdominal pressure to support yourself, you would then start bringing in that constriction, that Kermit the Frog constriction. So it sounds a bit like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and it's quite light. You can hear a lot of voice in it. If you start to feel more like, yeah, yeah, then it, you're going into false fold. And you can tell that because it's closer to the vocal folds, it sounds a bit more chaotic. Whereas with the Ariepiglottic, you can still very much hear the voice in it. Um, and it will feel like a, a bit lighter as well than the false fold. Um, and so that is that more sort of, yeah, yeah. So that could be a flavour that you then add to the note you just sung, which could create like a nice distorted sound. So like... Would you say there's a certain amount of trial and error here of playing around with the type of texture you want to add to the note or the pitch? Definitely, yeah. yeah. And so would you say that that with any of these types of distortions or extreme effects, there is a note under there somewhere? There is actually a pitch, right? Or is there? <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're doing if you're intentionally doing a pitch underneath, then yeah, you can also do it without. So um, more in the case of like false fold, where you're just like, ah, ah, you could you could do that without. You could do it so pure that you don't hear a note. Um, mm -hmm. Same with the fry scream. The fry scream can be like yeah, so you don't hear mm -hmm. much note at all. It's still argued because this is the thing is it's so under researched that no one knows all of the answers so there could well yeah. be a note behind all of them but mm -hmm. in my experience you can do it without and you can do it with yeah so like kind of i suppose to the human ear the normal human ear the typical human ear sometimes there it may sound like there's not a pitch that's just pure like mm. distortion pure sound pure rattle yeah. pure whatever the the distortion is you're using or the the effect yeah but, why don't we like go through some of the the questions that were sent in? Yeah. Cool. So one of the questions was any tips for getting into singing styles that I think he was trying to ask. He's a beginner. He doesn't really see himself as an experienced vocalist and he wants to start off singing um, in the styles of classic me metal vocalists like Dio, Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson, Ian Gillen, etc. Mm. Where would you start out and kind of what kind of songs would you be going for maybe any advice where to point him to so that that would be either ariepiglottic or false folds depending on how intense he wanted the distortion so um follow it would be a case of following those exercises that we've already been over with the ariepiglottic or i don't think we've inserted the false fold one yet have we but that no but we can insert it that. right here yeah maybe yeah we'll insert it here um I would 100% start with those two um, because it will either be one or the other. The, the issue is with like classic rock stuff, um, it could be both. It could be Ariapoglotic, it could be Ariapoglotic and False Fold, it might be False Fold. It's again, we wouldn't know unless we put a scope in someone and found out exactly where they were constricting. Um, but if you were to learn those two techniques and then put that into your singing, you would 100% achieve that sound. Um, usually with the classic metal, you can kind of hear they've got that yeah, yeah kind of sound to their voice. It's so like Hermody Frog? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it does sound to me like it's more Ariepiglottic. Mm -hmm. um, but 100% learn both, learn false fold and Ariepiglottic, and then you can play around with those sounds once you're confident with them and then try and create those same sounds. It also, it's kind of like, um, obviously, if someone was to walk in the studio and said, I want to sound exactly like Kurt Cobain, you know, like, no one is going to sing exactly like him. 
yeah. because you know and it's the same thing with distortion some all our anatomy is different you can't necessarily achieve exactly the same sound as someone is doing but obviously you can try so for um the person who asked this mm. so we're we're saying play around with the exercise as if it's a it's a it's a scale see if you can create the sounds that that you've um that you've uh, um demonstrated and then see if you can pick points within the melody of the song where you can start to try and inject some of that texture into the the lyrics that you're singing which may take a bit of work it's mm. kind of similar to learning any style of music sometimes there's a slight little bit of mimicry although you're not going to sound exactly like the person because we have different um like anatomy and you know we're different we have different voices so we're not going to sound like them but it's a certain amount of playing around with the song yeah and trying to get the that texture into the melody of the song definitely yeah okay so i'll move on to another question so have you okay well we've kind of we've kind of covered this already so the the, this is one is from lisa and she asks about exercises for distortion how to do it without strain um and i think when she says distortion she kind of means just everything in a sense because she probably doesn't have one specific one picked out but we've we've already done demonstrations of them so I think we're okay for that one mm. um yeah I would just say um it's probably if you're straining you probably not so support is really really important with these effects because you need a lot more um abdominal so when when you're supporting a note obviously you're using your inner abdominal muscles aren't you that sort of um, to support the note you need way more of that when you're doing extreme sounds so you need more of that um, abdominal contraction so what I would say as advice to that is before you start any either of those effects um, take a deep breath do that huh sound and you'll feel like your muscles are kind of contracting that's mm-hmm. what you do at the, the onset of the sound you're trying to create so let's say false fold so take a deep breath in and then on the onset you would do your huh so it'd be like uh, uh, and then you mm. get more um, support and so you need to put a lot more emphasis on the abdominal muscles otherwise it will go into the throat and you'll end up with a bit too much constriction okay interesting and is that because is there more air released more breath released on on these kind of sounds is that why you need a bit more support from below yeah, so you need more airflow and also more subglottic pressure. So subglottic mm-hmm. pressure, for those that don't know, the pressure that builds up underneath the vocal folds. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you, you need more airflow because you obviously need the airflow to be able to rattle the stuff above the vocal folds. Yeah, so when the vocal folds are closed and you go, make that noise, yeah. it kind of pushes the air up to the vocal folds, but they're closed. Yeah. And then they open then with the pressure. But that that like movement from your abdominal muscles helps build up the pressure for like it'll be like a split second right and then it opens just for people who don't understand anything about vocal anatomy yeah is that correct yeah more or less yeah awesome um and then where to start at where to start at what foundation and what foundation is necessary so you've kind of said a little bit about that about kind of needing to be a slightly lighter be able to sing in a slightly lighter style and kind of cleanly before you start playing around with these sounds is that right yeah definitely um because if you if you're one of those people that has a habit of bringing in external tension in the neck or you know or you're just got really strong vocal folds that want to mm-hmm. be loud all the time 
um, in order to sing distortion, actually at the vocal folds, the the actual adduction at the vocal folds is very light. You don't need, well, you shouldn't have a lot of adduction because if you do, if the vocal folds are coming together too strongly, you're just shouting. <laughs> um, so you, what you need is is less closure so that you're allowing more airflow. Um, and so if you're a tight singer or a strainy singer, that's you don't have the control necessary to let that happen. And so you, you would just end up shouting and then ultimately you will potentially hurt yourself <laughs> so ideally if you're one of those singers who's loud or just pushes a bit or strains then really f- maybe you need to focus in on some scales and some vocalizations that that help you achieve that lighter sound and get comfortable there before you start trying to add in these effects yeah i would say so to be on the say especially if if these um Especially if people are trying to learn it themselves, 100%. Yeah. If you don't have a teacher watching you, definitely. <laughs> and probably the, the, the best thing to do is to book in with it for a couple of lessons with a coach who does understand, you know, like, yeah. you know, I would have a good understanding of my voice, but I still, you know, would want to want some guidance with this type of thing because mm-hmm. it's just an area that I don't know much about and I, I don't want to blow my voice. So that's probably exactly. the best thing to do overall is, you know, book in for a few lessons or even one lesson to get you started and then kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, so someone else asked a really good question. Um, how much is it genetic and how much is training? Um, and then he also says he can, he can get A5 fully distorted, but singing clean, he can't get there yet. Um, it's all vowels, he says. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd probably have to hear in order to diagnose the A5 thing. Um, But in terms of it being natural or trained, some people can just naturally get it. Um, Not sure why that is. Same, probably the same reason why people can sometimes just naturally belt high notes. Um, Usually it tends to be that men can more naturally achieve a bit of distortion on top without even trying. Um, not 100% sure why that is. I know that the male false folds are further away from the vocal folds, so potentially it's something to do with airflow and it just rattling those more easily. Females' false folds are way more close to the vocal folds, so um, it's a lot harder for us to get the distortion without constricting the vocal folds too much. Um, Yeah, it kind of sounds to me as well, I don't know what you think, but it kind of sounds to me that it's possible that like maybe he's just kind of nailed the 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 setup and um for singing it in distortion but he hasn't figured out how it feels to sing it cleanly yet so it could be that when he's going to to sing it with distort with sing it cleanly that he's not quite sure how to shape it all where to place things yeah 100 percent um i suppose actually from you saying that i've just thought had a light bulb moment what it could also be is that with distortion you can get overtones so potentially you're you might think you're singing an a5 but you could actually be on an a4 but you're getting those overtones which is adding a higher harmonic yeah um it could actually be that you're you're yeah you're singing the a4 not the a5 but you're getting that overtone so it sounds like it's an a5 potentially could be it um but yeah i think you're right in the background there (laughs) Oh yeah, there's a singing teacher upstairs. Love it. 
It's a musical household. I'm surprised you can't hear guitar. Boyfriend's teaching guitar in the other room. Oh, I love it. Music from every room. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, so I think... Um, but yeah, exactly like you just said, it could just be that the placements, you're, he's really used to doing the distortion, but not quite used to doing the, the, the singing placement. But yeah, I'd probably have to listen to know, to be honest. Yeah, like, I mean, I know we're doing a, a podcast episode on this, but like, realistically, you know, these are all kind of suggestions and ideas, like every single person is different. And it really, the really only way to answer it is to like, for the coach to listen and like, really have it like diagnose um yeah it's very hard to tell by just by answering a question like that and not yeah. hearing them yeah totally so um oh yeah so so this person says so Killian says it'd be interesting to see what you say about someone like Brian Johnson from ACDC similar to Robert Plant and Axel Rose they all sing very high at times with distortion and I've always wondered um, if they're in chest or head voice or mix or what um, they sing so high that I feel like it must be head voice but it seems difficult to have a distorted head voice without doing damage so actually what's weird about this is that in reality it, it, whenever there's distortion you you are going to be in head voice um, because you you need to have um, obviously I explained this a few minutes ago where you need to have um, less um, adduction, less constriction at the vocal mm-hmm. fold in order to achieve distortion. So everyone is going to be in a lighter setting. It just doesn't sound like that because obviously because of the rattle going on at the uh, above the vocal folds, it sounds a lot stronger than it actually is. Mm. So the vocal folds really aren't doing much work at all. Um, and so they will... I mean, Robert Plant is a really light singer. Um, so he... Yeah. I am... Um, I mean, in terms of Brian, I mean, I would love to see inside him <laughs> mm. because it just sounds like something I've never heard before. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's, yeah. But he is still light. You can you can hear that at the vocal folds, it's light. It's just that something else is constricted in there that's making it sound heavier than it is. Yeah. And again, it's kind of like... It's like, um, like every singer has kind of their own authentic voice. You know, like even as as clean singers will say, like we all have authentic our own authentic voices. And we were talking at the very beginning a little bit about how sometimes the imperfections can be very um, engaging and interesting to listen to in someone's voice. And probably the same thing with like figuring out your your distortion style There's probably like a little bit of of that in there as well, in a sense that like everyone's going to probably approach it a little bit differently. You know, yeah. everyone has a different size vocal folds, different size vocal tracks, larynxes, you know, um, and even things like muscular strain and stress and health and all those things, smoking, all those things affect how your voice sounds too. So, yeah, it's really, it's really difficult to give one diagnosis for everyone. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Definitely. And you can have like... You can say it's sorry, I've got it. It's false forward, but actually, you can have both. <laughs> so it's it's difficult. Yeah, sometimes you can't really tell um, what's constricting. Yeah, it's about kind of playing around with it. And I think like if it if it feels if it feels okay, it usually is okay. If it feels okay and it sounds okay, it usually yeah. is okay, right? Definitely, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Okay, so the next question is from Kieran. 
and they say that they were literally just about to learn how to fry scream mm. so she was stoked to see the post um i'd love to know what one can do to build a quiet beginner's fry scream into a louder and fuller sound we'll start with that one first she's a couple of questions in that so maybe that one first yeah i mean that's the golden question because i'd love to know the answer to that too yeah okay <laughs> In my, I mean, purely from my research, I mean, the fry scream, the research just doesn't exist. I've tried to do it um, in my master's and the only thing that does exist is saying that how to do a fry scream is basically desynchronize the vocal folds so that they're vibrating at slightly different levels, um, speeds, should I say. Um, so, I mean, there is a way that I was taught how to do it, which we can insert here. <laughs> cool (laughs) um and then uh but there so the the lady who taught me i absolutely recommend she's amazing um is aliki so her name is and i don't know if i'm gonna pronounce her second name correctly so i'm really sorry if you're listening to this aliki but um aliki katriao um so she she's like metal proper metal singer um and she's she's really great at explaining the fry scream stuff Personally, with the fry scream, I I could never get on with it. Um, I I really tried to get it, and I I was exactly where this lady is, where I couldn't I could do it quietly, but I couldn't build up the volume. Um, but in the journey of trying to get it loud, I ended up with quite a lot of tension. I could feel mm. I had loads of laryngeal tension, and I I just kept getting knackered, and I couldn't I couldn't put my voice at risk because I was gigging all the time. So I was like, unfortunately, I had to just leave it there. Um, so that's not something I specialise in, unfortunately. I wish I could yeah. help though. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm wondering like how much do things like um like vowel consonants, vowels, larynx position, how much do those things influence the ability to create these sounds? Um well things like an R um would be easier to do with the um, areopiglottic distortion because of the way that it shapes the vocal tract, it's easier to get that pharyngeal constriction. Um, so there are certain vowels that suit certain things. However, that being said, you can experiment. Um, it's no, there's no reason to say you can't use it on a knee. It just might mean that it takes a little bit of an adapting. Mm. Um, in terms of the false folds, I don't think there are really any particular vowels that... Um, are good or not good for that i think you could probably get it on most um larynx position you don't need to think about this when you're trying to do it but the larynx is slightly raised when we're mm-hmm. doing distorted effects um and that's just because of the constriction yeah i suppose because when you're you're singing like higher notes mm. or is it lower notes as well that your larynx would raise for this these, these yeah. styles or is it just the high notes so it's both okay that's interesting it's kind of like if you're trying to if you're if you're like you know if you're struggling to like reach lower notes to add like a bit of um twang to help raise the larynx a little bit is it kind of in the same similar kind of mechanism you don't really need to think about it um Mm -hmm. because you don't want to try and think okay i need a high larynx and then end up with too much tension you know yeah um because the problem with a high larynx become if you're trying to have a high larynx that also increases the chord closure so you don't want to focus on that too much i would just forget about the larynx and just aim for the sound um Mm. but 
That being said, obviously with the aryepiglottic stuff, you can add twang to that to create a more intense sound. So um, with that effect, I would say, yeah, you can think about trying to get a twangier sound. But I still, even when I'm teaching twang, I try not to tell people do it with a high larynx because otherwise it can end up like right up there and you end up with problems. I would more just focus on getting that brash, yeah, sound and think about how it feels more than trying to aim for a high larynx. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I think with all these things, it's it's about playing around with it as well and like seeing, can you get your best version of that? Because you might do it a couple of times and think that that's that's your twang. But then, you know, after doing it for a few weeks, you might find a slightly different spin on it that might sound a little bit richer, maybe, and a bit more balanced. You know, so it's about kind of just practice, really, like even just a, a few minutes a day like you know to especially on this stuff I remember you saying in the workshop in um the UK like you know be very careful when you're first exploring these sounds like even just five minutes and then take a break you know maybe do some straw phonation to kind of you know relax the muscles again and kind of reset the voice and then back into it again you know just go baby steps yeah exactly and I, I mean I always say just don't do this for very long when you're first starting literally just try it once or twice stop rest your voice do some straw phonation um if you still feel fine give it a few minutes if you still feel fine go back for more what you don't want to do is is go 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 until your knack is and then because then you have to wait like two days before you can try again so it's more just so that you can have consistency in practice it's better to build up slowly um, than to knock yourself out and also then you're avoiding injury completely because I mean I wouldn't say this is something you absolutely have to be afraid of but you know you can hemorrhage with something like screaming if you mm-hmm. bash those vocal folds together too hard they are going to bruise so um, it's just be be wary don't be afraid of the sounds but just don't push yourself um, for long periods of time and I'm just thinking about myself when I first kind of started playing around with these sounds. And I do remember um, I was trying to be careful, but like, you know, I was trying to figure out the right, the, the right vocal setup. You know, and my voice, I did lose my voice for a few days after it, yeah. you know, so, you know, there probably will be a certain amount of that, but yeah, is that, is that normal or like, you know, when, when do you know it's a problem? hundred percent normal i mean obviously if you have a teacher then it's not so likely because they'll be there watching you going okay that needs to change you did that you know um when i first started i was exactly the same i did a bit had to have two days off did another bit yeah. two days off it took me about a year to be able to get a successful false fold scream um but i was teaching myself so obviously it took a lot longer um you are going to have days where, because, you know, you're not going to get it right first time. And unfortunately, it is, a, it is an extreme technique. So you are going to get it wrong at some point. Um, don't be, a, I think the, the thing with distortion, though, is that you have to commit. Otherwise, if you're, if you go in wary, then you, you probably are going to get it slightly wrong. So you still have to commit to it. Mm. Um, but then it's knowing when, when you need to have a break. Yeah, rest, rest is very important because it's like comparing it to like athletes, like if you, you know, of course, an athlete in their lifetime is going to have a strained muscle or, you know, you know, a bruised muscle or pulled muscle or whatever, but they just need to take time off and let that like your body rebuilds itself, you know, to to a certain extent. So just to make sure that if you do find that your voice is feeling like a little bit hoarse or a little bit tired or 
strained after doing it just to give yourself the, those couple of days drink lots of water get your sleep all, all the kind of the basic stuff really until you're feeling okay again so you can try another few minutes yeah. <laughs> you know and keep exactly. going until you build up that strength yeah exactly you need to you need to really know your own voice and know when you need to stop um mm. I mean usually the signs um I suppose we should quickly run through those just to be sure that people know yeah but, good idea um the signs of fatigue will be that your voice feels hoarse, might feel a bit sore. Um, uh, you might feel like your voice has dropped an octave and, and suddenly your voice feels lower than usual. Um, you might run out of breath quicker, um, might feel like you've got a bit of strain happening. All those signs are signs where you just need to stop for a bit, cool down with the straw or with some yawny sounds like, oh, just to stretch the larynx back down. Um, and then if you if you leave that a few minutes or hours or whatever and it feels okay again, try again. But you just have to be really sure. Um, and also just to add, when we say voice rest, we don't talk singing. We're talking don't talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like completely zip it. Yeah, because voice use, it, it's not just singing. It's like, it's talking, it's it's laughing, it's, it's, um, it's, it's anything to do with making a sound with your voice because your vocal folds are, are are making they're working so you just need to com- take the complete rest and um just put some tape over your mouth for a few days or something yeah exactly <laughs> a little sticky note on your head I know right <laughs> <Talk to me. laughs> I actually bought um because when I actually when I started um college at first like I'd never been so committed to like my own vocal routine until I started college, to be honest. Like I never, I, I hadn't sung as much. Like when I, when I got to college, I was singing like two, three hours a day, like between band rehearsals and my own individual lessons and all the rest. And then I was also gigging a bit as well when I started. And I just, it was just so much voice use. I was also teaching. So I was teaching for a full day. Um, and my voice was getting so tired. Like it took, it took me that whole year to like, for my voice to build up the stamina to be able to do that so I would just say to anyone like it's really important to like practice regularly like and work your voice regularly because you know like if you don't then you do run the risk of causing yourself an injury or losing your voice when you really need to play a gig or something like that or you're going into the studio which you really you know don't want to happen so it is important to listen to to the signs of your body Mm, definitely um, there's a little bit more to this this question from Karen. Um, she says she she she's wondering if is my, is her setup fundamentally wrong if she has trouble getting lyrics out rather than just holding a vowel. So she's struggling to get to sing lyrics, but she can hold a vowel. That's that, interesting. That's in the fry scream, though, isn't it? Um, uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, that fry scream. Um, I I think it's. Because obviously the thing you have to remember is that vowels change the shape of your throat and your mouth. So um, different vowels will change the, the shape of everything. So potentially it's the, the vowels that you're when you're when you're adding lyrics, trying to identify which vowels it is you're struggling on, and then maybe isolate those vowels in the fry scream. So um, I mean, I always find it easiest to start on a fry scream on an e. So like. Um, and then I go and I find that easier so um, mm. I don't know maybe she's trying to do the lyric way so I'd go you know so oh, like yeah, yeah. either vowel that you're good at and then 
blend it into the vowel that's a bit harder. Yeah, and you also started with the open vowel and then tried to add in the the, um, the consonant when you were in the flow of the the, the yeah. distortion. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. It's just because of the um, configuration of the vocal tract, really, and, and consonants obviously affect the airflow. So it's it's just getting used to it, I imagine. Um, I mean, unfortunately, when it comes to fry scream, I'm not really the expert. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, that's I would say that's likely what what the issue is yeah no that's great I'd say everyone's delighted now to have a few questions answered but I'd say like probably my my the main takeaway from it would probably be just to try and like book in with the likes of Nicole for an assessment like book in with her get some you know tips of where to start and then go away and work on it yourself and you can come back to her again in a couple of months whatever way you want to work but I think it is worth booking in with a with a coach to just get you on the right track right yeah I think if you're serious about wanting to learn it and use it a lot then absolutely book in with someone um there I mean realistically there just aren't that many teachers around that specialize in it um yeah that's one of the main reasons I started the research and to begin with is because there's just such a gap um so unfortunately yeah just booking in with any old teacher probably isn't you'll probably get to the lesson and realize that actually you know they can't give you much advice um so yeah pick the right teacher get booked in just usually when I have people come to me for like scream stuff they'll book in a lesson and then I won't see them again for a month and then they'll come back when we move on to the next stage because Mm -hmm. it's such a lengthy process um I mean sometimes even just filling the hour is difficult because obviously they'll blow like because you're just starting their stamina is only good enough for the first like 10 minutes and then it's like okay now what do we do you know (laughs) um so yeah just like just book a consultation get in touch if you want to start and then go from there really yeah and I'm just wondering um like in lessons how much or how much yeah how much importance do you put on cross training between genres so I mean if you're a singer and you want to add distortion then 100% you need to practice both so practice your clean and practice the distortion stuff um, because you need to be flexible to do both so in that sense I would say it's important I think it just depends on what you want really what your goals are and when you want to use it yeah so like if you're singing in like a covers band or whatever then yeah, you want to make sure that you're exploring all all voice qualities and, you know, digging into different genres and, mm-hmm. you know, incorporating, cr- building and creating and developing a warm up and a vocal practice routine that like helps you warm up into all those voice qualities. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just checking to see what else I have here. It's all right. Yeah, actually, this is just um, just a random, a random, a slightly different question. But I was having a look on your website and I just saw that you mentioned a little bit at the start, but you wanted to be a nurse. And I'm just wondering, does your work as a coach ever cross over into your work as a healthcare worker? Um, weirdly, yeah. So like, I mean, I, I've, I work a lot with people with um, learning disabilities now Um, I mean I've done loads of different um, care stuff um, Mm -hmm. over the years um, with like dementia elderly young people Um, 
music is so therapeutic. I mean, I don't use the distortion. <laughs> I don't know, I'd probably terrify people. Um, but um, so a lady that I, I've worked with for years, she um, is blind and she has a, a really rare form of rat syndrome. So she's blind in a wheelchair, has really complex needs. And with her, communication and singing is everything. Um, and to the point where just her sitting with her back on my chest with me singing, that vibration that she gets gives her so much feedback. And then, you know, she'll start moving her body. And, you know, wow. it's like, it's so important, you know. And, and so, for example, if she moved her arm, I would do, mm. you know. And then if she, like, it got to the point, actually, where, so she doesn't speak, but um, whenever it got to the point when whenever I was on shift, because she would make a, a noise and then I would sing back, we started having our own little conversation. So it would be like, hmm, 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 you know, oh, wow. and it got to the point where her mum came downstairs and she was literally there like, hmm, 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 hmm. No way. <laughs> she was like the chattiest we'd ever heard her before. And no one had ever got that before because no one obviously was a singer, mm. you know. And so she can't speak, but she she can rec- mm. um, communicate in this way. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, because of her syndrome, um, she's got really severe epilepsy. She just doesn't have the cognitive skills to be able to speak. So um, and that's been since birth. She's been nonverbal. So um, but obviously she still has vocal folds. So obviously she can still make noises. She just can't mm-hmm. put words together. So. So, yeah, exactly. She would just be like, hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's and amazing. I would back and it would be like we were having a little conversation almost so they don't they say that like they think humans sung before we spoke I read, yeah. I saw I heard that in one of the, some workshops somewhere along the way which is amazing I think, like I think it's something like singing predates speaking by about 10,000 years or something <laughs> that's that's unreal it's unreal isn't it I wonder how it kind of evolved to to what it is today it's amazing yeah, definitely. I mean, the other side of how it connects as well, as in the, the healthcare stuff with the, the singing, I think as a vocal coach, without, I mean, I didn't know this when I first went into singing, but you have to learn so much about physiology of the voice and acoustics of the voice. So the, the actual science background you need is so in-depth. Mm-hmm. And so I think from that point of view, having a science background massively helps with the, um, the learning, like the physiology with the voice. Um, yeah. I think that's one thing that people don't really think about with vocal coaching is actually we need to learn so many different areas and including, you know, the kind of science stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much in it. Like, you know, like I've I kind of started my journey down this type of education four years ago now. And it, like every time you turn a corner, there's something new to learn. And I think it's always going to be that way. I think yeah. it's just going there's always going to be new information, new research, you know, and, you know, you can only learn so much at one time. So it's kind of about focusing in on, you know, a specific topic and kind of nailing that and then moving on to the next thing and being able to apply it and moving on to the next thing. And, you know, because even last night um, we were I was on the VI, I'm doing the VIP pathway at the minute, like and okay. we were on. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, but we were just chatting about like, you know, this eternal um continuous professional development journey that we're all on mm-hmm. and you know about we we can't we can't learn everything at once like you know that we just we can only do so much we can only yeah. focus on on you know one thing at a time you know there's so much being thrown at us all the time 
all these different courses are popping up everywhere and there's so many different vocal schools of thought as well you know so it's kind of about I think knowing a little bit about them all and being able to kind of pull from them what do you think of that yeah 100 percent. I absolutely agree um it's definitely like I feel like vocal coaching is like a bottomless hole of information where once you once you start learning one thing you realize how much you don't know (laughs) and it's just like forever going on like you know I think I've been I started probably properly looking into like vocal coaching like technically speaking in like 2015 and I still feel like I just know like a fraction of what I need to know (laughs) yeah it's amazing it's amazing but there's it's great though as well like especially with the internet um you know you can reach out to coaches and professionals all over the world and kind of learn from some of the best which is which is really cool yeah. Are you so what's 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 going on with you then professionally at the minute? Like obviously you're not gigging and things like that with, with lockdown and so I'm hoping you're hoping to start your band up again once everything opens up. So what's going on for you and is there anything that you want people to check out? Uh so at the moment I'm literally just finishing off my masters, which feels like it's been coming for such a long time. Um so I'm on my final research paper. What I'm actually doing um, in the process of doing at the moment is developing a course for teachers, singing teachers, to teach distortion. Um, Ooh, cool. So that is going to be something which will be developed. I mean, it has to be submitted by April, so <laughs> I hope it's finished by then. Um, and so um, that is something to look out for. It's not out yet, but it will be something that's going to be coming out. So yeah. I'm going to be publishing that on my website and potentially doing a little bit of rebranding. Um, and so if, if anyone listening is a singing teacher that's really interested in that, then f- f- like definitely shoot me an email and I can let, I, I might get like a mailing list together and then I can let people know when that's coming out. Um, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in that, you know, instead of wanting to start like learning about it myself. But yeah, I definitely yeah. Love to know more about that when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. I think it's something that so many teachers they I always get the teachers saying you know I've got students that want to learn how to do it how do I go about doing it and it's just like so lengthy to explain in one hour you know I know (laughs) I know so yeah I'm putting together a course so um that's definitely something to look out for um aside from that really um just the band yeah so my band Snake Eyes we're gonna be gigging again hopefully as soon as quarantine's over (laughs) so um yeah, definitely check us out if you're into like rocky, punky music. Um, and Have you then, got like a Facebook page for your band and stuff? You said you were doing some live stuff. Is that online or? Yeah, so I mean, we're we're on all social media as we have Snake Eyes. Um, so we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, yeah, so you can check us out on either of those. Awesome! Very good. Very cool. Sorry, my dog's gone mad now. Cute. <laughs> I just got rid of mine for the weekend. He's staying with my mum. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, did your mum just want to, want to have him for the weekend? Or yeah, well, he initially was her dog, and then unfortunately, he didn't get along with her other dog. So oh, I, I took him in. I mean, he was he was mine anyway. I like to think because we yeah, were best friends. Um, but you yeah, had like a bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I've got him now, but yeah, she's got him for the weekend so that I can have a bit of a break. <laughs> Lovely, very good. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting to you anyway, so I'm I'm hoping that it will all make sense when I start pasting all the little bits in, you know. Yeah. 
Um, but I might just like double check with you that I have pasted the right ones in and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, are you happy enough with everything now? Is there anything else that you want to add in? Or? Uh, no, I think that's, that's everything. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I, I really appreciate giving me your time.